Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Hey, well, last week, Pastor Joe kicked off a series called Do-It-Yourself Relationships, and he talked about friendships, and today I am talking about parenting. And uh, before I do that, though, I just want to share with you a little experience I had recently. I went to see um, some old friends. I was out. My niece got married in California. I went out there and saw some of our old members, and they cooked dinner for me and my sons. And man, it's just one of those dinners, you know, where you're smelling it, but it's not quite ready for like an hour and a half, and you're like, oh my gosh, come on. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just chatting, and without realizing it, I just keep eating these peanuts, and finally I eat the whole bowl, and then I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. And I start apologizing, and this sweet lady named Chicky, that's her real name, she goes, don't worry about it, Graham. She goes, since I got these new dentures like a month ago, all I've been able to do is just suck the chocolate off the peanuts, so you're fine. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Hey, in uh, Joshua chapter 24, Joshua is one of the great leaders in the history of Israel, and he calls the people to a place of decision that day. And he's saying, you know what? Today, I want you to choose who you are going to serve. If you're going to serve God, then go all in, and if you're not, then don't. And then he made this declaration. He said, but as for me and my family and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's both a decision and a declaration of faith that he and his kids are not only going to serve God, but love him all the days of their life. And when Lori and I, before we ever had our sons, we made the same decision in our hearts. And we said, we as a family are going to serve the Lord. We're going to use all of our prayer, all of our influence to make sure that our kids grow up loving God. And we are imperfect parents. Trust me, if you knew my parenting style at times, very imperfect. My wife's imperfect. Well, mostly perfect with a little bit of imperfection. And I have imperfect kids. But I can say this, by the grace of God, literally, because of His grace, He filled in all the gaps. And today I have three adult sons. And by their own choice, they all love God. By their own choice, they all serve God. And if you're here today, and you've never made that decision in your heart, and you've never made a declaration of faith over your family, and I don't care if you're a single mom, single dad, blended family, grandparent raising uh, your grandkids, you can fight the good fight of faith for those kids. You can put a stake in the ground and say, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord, and I guarantee you God will come alongside you, and he will help you accomplish that task. So I want to look at a scripture in just a second, but here's the main thing I want you to catch today. Kids find faith step by step, day by day. It is not an overnight magical process. It doesn't happen in one day. It's something that you give away day by day by day. And I want to look at how we can do that. So I'm going to go to Proverbs 22.6, one of the most famous passages on how to do that. And it says, train children in the way they should go, and when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Now, that's what the Bible says, doesn't it? That is a truth. 
If we train our kids, point them in the right direction, teach them, train them, when they get older, it says they won't walk away from what they've learned. But yet, I've seen many people raise kids, pour their lives into those kids, and they get older, and it seems like they have walked away, they've walked off the ranch, and we call those folks the prodigals. But can I just tell you what they're doing? If you're praying for those kids, if you have a relationship with those kids, let me tell you what they're doing right now. They are building their testimony. That's all they're doing. I know it doesn't seem like it, but mom and dad, chill out. They're building their testimony. How many enjoyed Dave Taylor's testimony this Easter? Awesome testimony. You know what? His parents, I just saw his dad last night, they raised Dave to serve the Lord. And for a season, he walked away, but you know what? He didn't depart from it totally, did he? Why? Because God is watching over his promises to perform them. And so I'm telling you, if you take time to train your kids, they are going to begin to grab hold of what you've got. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to look at a passage here that is just so simple to follow. Not easy to do, but simple to follow. And here's what I found out. I'm from the boomer generation. Any boomers here? How many know Dr. Spock, not Mr. Spock, but Dr. Spock was in vogue back there, way back in those days, and how many know he's not in vogue today? What was in vogue when I was raising my kids when they were little is not in vogue today. What is in vogue today will not be in vogue 15 years from now. But let me tell you something that is always in vogue, always fashionable, and that is the Word of God. And Jesus said, if we build our lives if we build our families on his truth, it's going to stand up to whatever life can throw at us, whatever it can throw at me, whatever it can throw at your kids. They're going to end up standing strong because why? We've taken time not to build on the latest advice, but to build their lives on the word of God. Let's look at Ephesians 6, 4. It says, fathers, we could say parents, do not make your children angry. Now, there were times, like I said, I'm an imperfect parent. Sometimes when I was bored, I would just make my kids angry for entertainment, just kind of push their hot buttons, just like, and it was fun. They always reacted. I knew how, you know, I was, I was like, yeah, I'm smarter than a five-year-old. I'll show you. But anyways, it says don't make them angry. And then what does it say? It says raise them with the training and the teaching of the Lord. In other words, we want to train and teach them how to do life from the perspective of God's kingdom. We want their worldview to be seen through the lens of how God thinks and how God sees, and that is a process. That doesn't happen overnight. That's day by day and step by step, and it says that we are to train them. So what does training mean? It's a Greek word called paideia, and in the ancient Greek civilization that this was taken from, it meant the sum total in cultivation of a human being your education, your spirituality, your work ethic, your vocation, your intelligence, the totality of who you are as a person comes from your training. And as parents, our duty is to what? To figure out who God created them to be and help them become that person. I don't know about you, but as a parent, how many of you are with me in saying, I want my ceiling in life to be their floor? Do you know what I'm saying? I want them to go way beyond anything that I've done in this life. And I believe that that's possible. Proverbs 22.6, which we refer to 
talks about training, and there it means conveying principles and attitudes. So let's talk about kids for a second. How many of you know if you don't want to raise a spoiled brat, there's a couple things you got to do? Number one, you just don't give them their way every time they want something, right? But what's the second thing you've got to do? You've got to cultivate an attitude or a spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness in their heart. And how does that happen? Do you have to create those situations and scenarios? No. As you do life together with your kids, those opportunities will just present themselves. And here's what will happen. Someone will give little Johnny a cookie, and Johnny will just take a bite out of it, and you will sit there as a parent and say, Johnny, what do we say? We say, that was weak sauce right there. Come on, man. Yeah, and, and now, how many of you would agree that you don't just do that? It's not a one and done, am I right? Johnny didn't get it the first time. And Johnny's going to have a lot more opportunities to learn that because every time someone gives Johnny something, we're right there. What are we doing? We're coaching. We're saying, come on. What do we say? Thank you. Much better. And so when we get them to that point, all of a sudden, one day, something happens. Someone gives Johnny something, and Johnny goes, thank you. And we're like, whoa, he's got it. Now we're on to the next thing. But isn't that how we bring our faith to our kids? Isn't it by just kind of doing life together and kind of showing them how we do things from God's perspective? It is, and it happens as a process. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, he's called the God of Abraham. Help me out, you theologians and students of the Scripture. The God of Abraham, who else? Isaac and Jacob. He is the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because they did life together. And how many remember the story in Genesis 22 where God has cut a covenant with Abraham, and now he's going to test Abraham and see if Abraham will fulfill his part of the covenant. And so he calls him to sacrifice the only son of promise, Isaac, on an altar. Now, we know it's a test because we've read the book, but he didn't. And so he's climbing up the mountain. The Bible says he has a torch in one hand because they didn't have big lighters. Isaac's carrying the wood, and Isaac's going, Dad, what's up? This isn't normal. Where's the animal for the sacrifice? He's like, don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. And don't get any ideas about sacrificing your kids from this story, all right? So, all right. But he comes up, and he gets up there, straps him to the wood, and then he takes the knife, and he's about to plunge it into his only son's chest and sacrifice him. Now, it wasn't like, it's like, oh, let's think about it. No, I, I call this the all-in commitment. Growing up, at a certain point, we got a pool, and there were times where that water was a little colder than others. You kind of check it with your foot. You know what I'm talking about? And you get on that board, and you just kind of go through this mental exercise, and all of a sudden you go, hmm, all right, I'm in, I'm in, in. And you just, and you bam, once you're there, you're committed. You're all in. God waited till he saw that Abraham was like, and all of a sudden, an angel says, stop, and it knocks him back. Whoa, back off. Now I see, Abraham, that you've been obedient to the point of offering up your only son, and because of your obedience, all the nations of this earth are going to be blessed through your descendants, because through your descendants is a Messiah who will come, who will be the sacrificial lamb 
that will take away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. And today I want you to know who I am, Abraham. I'm revealing myself to you as the Lord, your provider, Jehovah Jireh. But guess what? Abraham wasn't the only one that heard the voice of the angel that day. Abraham wasn't the only one that was part of the experiment that day. Abraham wasn't the only one that got an understanding that he would provide. You know who else got it? Isaac. And Isaac passed it on to Jacob. And Paul said to Timothy, didn't even mention the dad, he said, hey, Timothy, the faith that was in your grandma Lois and that was in your mom Eunice is in you. Guys, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. What you have in you, you can get it inside your kids. I promise you, you can do it. I know sometimes we're like, we get real nervous about raising kids, but listen, if you just follow the manual, if you follow God's ways, God will take care of his side of the promise. You do your part. He will do his part. So be encouraged today. Just know that God will raise up your kids to love him. Let's look at Philippians 4.9. It says, you know the teachings I gave you, and you know what you heard me say and saw me do. So follow my example. There's an old saying in the business world, a leadership principle, but it rings true for child raising as well. And it just goes like this. You can teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. What does that mean? If it's not working in you, it's not going to work in them. If you don't have a real, genuine, authentic faith, a growing faith on the inside of you, you really have nothing to give away to them. Jesus said these words, freely you have received, freely give. But how many of you know you cannot give what you haven't received? So if it's not working in us, it's, it's not going to work in them. And let me tell you something. Your kids don't just hear what you say, but how many of you know kids are sharp? They watch what you do. Now, a few years ago, I had a revelation about myself because my adult sons told me something about me that I didn't know. And you would think I would have known it because I am the son of Robert. And I just talked to my dad Friday, and my dad is 83, he'll be 84. And I said, how are you doing, dad? And he goes, well, he goes, if I didn't keep moving so quick, I probably wouldn't have as many bruises. He goes, you'd think that... I'm retired, I shouldn't be in a rush. He goes, but I've been doing it this way my whole life. And I thought, yeah, my dad is fast. Like, he's faster than me. If you go to the mall with him, you got to try and keep up with this guy. He's moving. He's almost never in a chair. He's just on the go. And, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? So here's a revelation I had about me. My kids said, Dad, we want to tell you something about you. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, or they said, do you remember when we used to go to like Disneyland or amusement parks and stuff like that? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, did you ever notice that you were like 25 to 30 feet in front of us, walking really fast, going, come on, we got to get to the next ride now. I'm like, well, come on. I mean, once in a while, but not. And they're like, no, we used to go with you to the grocery store. Remember the Costco lines? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what you used to make us do? Like, what? What? You guys just went with? No, no. We went to Costco and there you are analyzing the lines. Number of people in the line divided by the age and the speed of the cashier. <laughs> you stand here, you stand here. You st okay, whichever one is there first, we're in that line. I'm like, I didn't even know I was doing that stuff. Are you serious? Wow. So you know what? They do watch what you do. And uh, 
you know, it's, it, it's just, it's fun having kids, isn't it? But they're going to check out what you say and what you do. Let's look at this, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. Now watch this. This is really interesting. Now, how do we do this now? Do we do this uh, through formal Bible studies? Probably. Do we do this by just, you know, these devotions? Probably, but no, but maybe the best way is what we're about to read here. Talk about them on the way to school, on the way home from soccer or football practice, on the way to baseball practice, on the way to dance rehearsal. Talk to them while you're at the dinner table, while you're watching movies, while you're watching TV, while you're sitting at home. In other words, what is he saying? As you just do life. Talk about what's working in you as you do life. That's how you get what's on the inside of you into others. Now, when my kids were little, we read Bible stories, but they could only handle so much. We prayed, and the prayer was just, you know, honestly, I mean, one of my kids was a two-year-old, and his whole goal in prayer was to make the rest of the family laugh, and he was very successful. Like, we'd be, the other kids would be thanking God for their day, and he'd be like, thank you for my diaper, Jesus, and then he'd be like looking, and it's like, and we couldn't, we, we had to laugh. It's like, you know, he was always going for a laugh, so, but we'd put him to bed listening to Adventures in Odyssey, and it's kind of funny. You don't realize these kids start picking it up, and I remember when my oldest son, and um, He's just a smart kid. He's, I, I call him borderline genius. I just know he's smarter than me by a long shot. And uh, so when he was like three and a half, you know, he used really big words. And one day the teacher, we were here at Believer's Church way back in those days, and the teacher approached my wife and she said, you know, could I talk to you? And uh, she said, yeah, is, is everything okay? And she said, well, it's Stephen. You know, as a parent, you're like, oh gosh, what did my kid do, right? She's like, you know what, I just want to say it's, I, I feel very intimidated when I teach in front of him. And we're like, What? He's like three and a half. She's like, I know, but like in the middle of these Bible stories that I'm telling, she goes, he interrupts me and says, excuse me, that's not exactly how that story goes. You forgot this part of it. And she's like, oh my God, did I tell it right? She goes, I'm like nervous when I stand in front of him. So, you know, <laughs> these guys, they're, they're fun, but they, they learn the Bible, but um, it's also how you do life. And here's, we talked about prayer life, but any of you parents relate to this? We'd have family prayer and mom and dad pray, right? But then when your kids would pray, it'd be like, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, God, uh, for my, you know, A at school or whatever. You are like, come on, seriously? Can we not do better than that? Seriously, like, and so it's like, okay, well, let's try and take this up a level. So what I did was when my kids were in seventh grade, I took each one. And on the way to school, I would drive them to school. And so I would take each son in seventh grade, and I would take the Lord's Prayer, and I would take, you can pray it verbatim for sure, but I would take the principles in there and show them how to pray through the Lord's Prayer and say, hey, if you can learn how to pray through the Lord's Prayer, you will cover every aspect of your life. You'll have a well-rounded prayer life if you use that. And you know what? I'd explain it to them. We'd talk about it, and then what we did for a whole year was on the way to school, we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. It took about five minutes. And guys, that was the beginning of their prayer lives. And of course, they've taken it up since then. But how did that happen? Did that happen through a formal Bible study? No. Can you imagine me going, okay, today we're going to learn how to pray? No. No, these guys, their mind, I'm telling them we're going to learn how to pray. Are you kidding? Their mind is on the video game and how they're going to get to the next level. 
and what cheat codes they can find or whatever else they, they do. I don't know what they do, but it's like their minds weren't going to hang there with me. But as we're going, you know, we just kind of do life together. It's step by step, day by day. So what I want to show you here is I want to show you the four stages of parenting. Now, there's a little flex in this because some kids are different than others. But parents, when I was younger and my kids were young, I would have people who were my age walk up to me and say things like this. You know what? Before you know it, your kids will be gone. Time is going to go so fast, and I'm thinking, you are not of God. You are loony because, let me tell you, these are like the longest days ever. Like, they start at 5, and they end at 2 in the morning. What is wrong with you? And now I'm, I'm their age, and I'm like, yeah, you were right. Because, see, the days are long, but the season is short. And you have to take advantage of that. And so the first stage is discipline ages 0 to 5, and, and here's the thing. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us that one of the ways that God trains his kids, that's us, is through discipline. Why does God discipline? It tells us because he loves us. Why do we as parents discipline? Because we love them. We set constraints around them to protect them, not to harm them. And that's what discipline is about. And here's the rule of discipline, real simple. Do it now or pay later. Do it now or pay later. Anybody here ever have a two-year-old fall down on the floor at Toys R Us and throw a full-blown tantrum? How many of you feeling like proud parents at that point? How many of you just like, oh, my gosh. But how many of you know if you don't deal with that little tantrum right there at two, I guarantee you when you watch a 13-year-old throw a full-blown tantrum, it is way nastier. So do it now or pay later. And you know what? Those are interesting days. I can remember coming home, and I'd be like, you know, I had three young kids pretty close together, and I'd come home. My wife was with them at that time. And I can remember, I knew it was a rough day when I'd meet her at the door, and she'd put a kid in my arms and say, take your kid. <laughs> Not our kid, your kid. I'm like, oh, this is a rough one. And what happened today? She said, well, for one, your son, he, I had one son. He was two and a half when he did this. She goes, he pooped in the bathtub. And then he picked it up with his hand, and he handed it to me, and he said, do something with this. And I'm like, you know what? That's almost like a metaphor for parenting right there. Just do something with this. So I'm telling you, there's some fun days when you're a parent. The next phase is training. And training is, is fun. And can I just talk to dads here a little bit? I know some of you have shared custody. It's a little tougher and things like that. But do you know the average dad is only spending seven minutes a day talking to their kids? Do you know they're spending 33 hours a week on social media and video games? That's not counting their time in school or anything else or with their peers. Come on, dads. We can do a little better than seven minutes a day, can we not? You might be saying, yeah, but it's hard. You ever just sit down? Yeah, well, you're not going to sit down and have a bunch of formal conversations. Are you kidding me? One of my sons... I drove this kid all over the world at times, and we'd be in the car for two hours at a time, and this kid wasn't a big talker. He might not talk for that two-hour trip, but when he wanted to talk, he did. And you know how I got into the, I, what I did was this, and this is my way, maybe not yours, but I got into their world. If they liked to do something, I became a fan of it. And let me tell you something. Because my two older sons were singers, and I was a worship leader, so I was like, of course, they're going to sing. It feels natural to them. 
But because of that, they had people recruit them to be part of their school plays because they could sing. And I was like, I don't like musicals. Me not like them. And I'm like, they keep going to these things. But you know what? I was just like, hey, every performance that you're there, I'm there every single time. And I'm all in. And I loved every minute of what they did, whether it was soccer, whether it was baseball, whatever it was. Football, I'm there. I'm all in. Listen, get into their world. Find out what they're interested in. You know, if you hate playing video games and they love it, why don't you learn how to play and just get in there? Because while you're playing video games, there's a possibility that you might end up talking about what's important in your heart, which is your faith, and getting it across to them in a, their own natural environment. Because this stuff happens organically. Are you with me? So listen, just be part of their worlds. And here's the other thing. How many of you know that this line can get old in a hurry? Watch this. Because I told you so. How many know you can only pull that one out of the hat so many times? After a while, it's not working. Now, I'll tell you an experience I had. We didn't let our kids listen to secular music when they were little. We bent a little bit on that later. And, but I remember my son was 10 years old. There was a group that he really liked, and he really desperately wanted their CD. And our first reaction was, no, you're not going to have it. And then I stopped, and I said, hey, hold on a second, honey. I said, you know what? I, I know you were raised differently than me, but I was raised in a holiness church. Pretty much everything outside of going to church was a sin. Um, and I remember I wasn't allowed to go to the movies. I couldn't go see Herbie the Love Bug because it was a sin. But nobody ever explained why it was a sin if it was. So it's kind of like, well, you're going to do it. Okay, I guess I'm not going to go. All my friends are going to go, but I'm not going to go. And that put in me a seed of kind of resentment. And all of a sudden, I got to a certain age, and I just, what? I just rebelled. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. And I said, you know, Lori, I said, this kid is a good kid. He'll comply with us, but I don't want to plant a seed of resentment in him. Let's try something different here. So we said, here's what I want you to do. Print out all the lyrics to every song. And he did, and we went through them line by line. We found one song in the whole CD that had some cuss words in it. They were very mild, but we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let you get this CD... But there's one catch. See that song right there? You're not allowed to listen to that song, and here's why. Because songs and music was created by God, and God uses that to get truth into our hearts, and he uses that to get us to pray even when we don't know we're praying because when we're singing these worship songs, we don't even realize some of us, we're actually singing prayers to God. And Jesus said, whatever is in your heart in abundance is going to come out. So if you're putting these lyrics with cuss words in your heart, son, whether you want them to come out or not, they're going to get deep in you, and they're going to come out at some point. It will become part of who you are. And so mom and dad are saying, you can have everything but that tree in the garden right there, but that fruit. But you know what? And we said, hey, you know what we're going to do, son? We're going to trust you. We trust you. But you're going to need to honor us, and if we hear you play that song, we'll yank it. Do you know what? That kid is in his 20s today, and he still remembers that encounter. That was a big deal to him because we took time not just to say, here's what we want you to do, but here's why. The why behind the what. 
to share our values, to share God's kingdom perspective on why we don't put a bunch of garbage in our hearts. And that just happens again, just doing life with your kids, step by step, day by day. Let's go to the fun stage. Oh, this is the fun stage. Coaching. Age 12 to 18. Ooh, this is a fun one. Man, I could spend like an hour just telling you personal stories here, but I won't bore you. But how many of you know this is an age where up till now, your kids have pretty much just gone along with whatever you thought, whatever you said, surely that's right. Whatever you believe, surely I believe. And you know what happens? They start to have questions, and that's good. They start to want to form their own identity, and that's good. And they can't do it without a little bit of freedom. You've got to give your kid freedom with boundaries, because if you don't, you will become part of what is known today among professors in colleges as the helicopter parents. These are the parents who hover so closely over the lives of their children that they smother them with control, thus giving them no freedom whatsoever to grow their own muscles of good judgment, wisdom, to exercise and make decisions that bad or good we can talk about. And here's another key. Make sure when you're talking to your teenagers that you listen to them when they come to you with stuff that you're very upset about. Just have your poker face on. You might feel like your world just ended, but your poker face, because here's what we can't do as parents. We can't freak out. We can't do that. Why? Because what happens if you freak out? What are you teaching your kids? You're saying, don't ever tell me anything serious. Because if you do, I will make your life so miserable, you'll never want to talk to me again. You've got to give them some freedom, but freedom with boundaries. Now, there was a book that was written by a couple of researchers. These are Christians. They surveyed 1,000 kids, and it's a really good read. It's called Four Parents Only. Um, if I was raising a teenager, I'd highly recommend reading that book because here's what they discovered in surveying all different types of teenagers. The number one thing that teenagers value is freedom. And here's the thing. If you eliminate all freedom in their lives, you're asking for trouble. I'm telling you that today. I'm telling you that. And I remember hearing a youth pastor a number of years ago talk about spotting parents who were controlling parents. And he would try to talk to them and say, hey, give your kids a little freedom. And he talked about this one girl who looked like the perfect Christian youth group. Her hands were always raised in worship. She was at every meeting. She was faithful. She was the perfect kid, but had no freedom. Parents didn't want to hear it. They was like, no, we're doing a good job the way we're doing it. She goes away to college. Another girl goes to the same college. They're both freshmen. At Christmas break, she comes back, and she says, Pastor, her youth pastor, I've got to talk to you. I don't, I don't even know if I should say this, but I, 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 my heart is broken for so-and-so. And he's like, well, what's wrong with her? She said, I don't know how to tell you this, but like the moment she left here and got into school, she went crazy. And now she's known as the girl on campus that any guy can sleep with. What if mom and dad would have given her just a little bit of freedom with boundaries to start making some wise decisions? I guarantee you she wouldn't have been like somebody getting hooked on a drug the moment she tasted freedom for the first time. Guys, here's the other thing. Your kids deep down, I'm going to tell you something about your teenagers. Deep down, they know that they need to hear what you have to say. But you've got to work through 
those communication barriers that sometimes hop up. In fact, I, I found a video that I think in some ways kind of represents what communicating with teenagers is like. Check this out. Das hier ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät, das Künstlerwächter. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. love that one. I think that represents communicating with teenagers because we hear words thrown back and forth like this. You don't get it. And we're like, no, you don't get it. Am I right? So what do we do? We got to chill out, calm down and stay with that thing called communication until we can talk. And we can talk and we can get there. And so let me just try to bring this around the final corner here. Um, you know, in a perfect world, there's a mom and dad at home in a perfect world because each gender brings a different perspective and it's not that one's right and the other one's wrong. It's that together they are amazing. Now, I know that not everybody has access to that, but maybe you've got an uncle or if you're a single dad raising your kid, an aunt or a grandparent, somebody that can take that role. We've also got some great people and super kids and Paramount and stuff like that, but sometimes... As much as my wife and I tried to be in unity on parenting situations, occasionally we ran into some things that, you know, required her side, her skill set more so than mine. And then sometimes mine was required most, more so than hers. And one such occasion was my oldest son, like I said, he was a very smart kid. He was always loved by teachers and faculty. He was always at the top of his class. He was well-liked by students. He was a friendly kid. He'd never been in a fight in his life. And suddenly in ninth grade, this one kid made it his mission to start harassing my son at school every day. My son came home angry. And so mom and dad talked with him, and we said, we need you to try and reason that out with this kid. And he tried, and that was like pouring gasoline on a fire. That kid just loved the fact that he was getting to him. I said, Lori, excuse me for a second, but I'm going to go a little male here for a second. I said, we're going to handle this a little bit different because I don't personally know this kid, but I know this kid. He is a punk, and the only thing he understands is a little bit of force. So I said, Stephen, I'm about to tell you to do something that will probably get you in trouble at school, but I'm giving you permission to do what I'm about to tell you to do because this is the only thing this kid is going to understand. Now, this kid's never been in a fight. My oldest son... One of his talents is, is not athleticism. He's not super athletic, you know? So I don't want to put him in a bad situation. And I just said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Next time, we're not going to talk to this kid. I said, you're going to give him a verbal warning. When he puts his hands on you, just like he's been doing, I want you to say, if you do that again, you're going to regret it. I said, that's all I want you to say. I don't want you to explain it. Just say it. He's got one verbal warning. I said, then, if he touches you again... You have my permission, and I will walk into the office and take the blame for this. I said, you have my permission. And then I actually instructed my son on how to punch me in the solar plexus, you know, that part right there above your abdomen where you can really just knock the wind right out of somebody. And I made him punch me. I showed him how to cock his fist, showed him how to point his knuckles, 
And I made him hit me. And I was like, that's not hard enough. I made him hit me several times until he really swung and hit me with all this force. I said, now that will send a message. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, I'm not endorsing violence, by the way. This kid's never been in a fight. So, now, hey, by the way, I'm just going to let you know a little insight. A little bit of that comes, we all come from parents, right? I mean, their culture is part of ours. Now, if you were raised in my family, it wasn't if you were going to get in a fight. You got in fights. I don't forget my little brother. My little brother is all of about 6'2 and about 250. He's a big boy. But he was a gentle giant in school. He didn't like to fight. But we got some kids that moved in across the street when he was about six years old. And these kids were tough. And sure enough, man, he got into a fight with this kid. And this kid was like, I remember seeing this kid fall on concrete and just get up and laugh. I didn't, I, this kid is weird. So this kid gets into a fight with my brother. And man, this little kid just throws a haymaker and hits my brother with a kidney shot. And my brother, who is way bigger than this kid, drops like a sack of potatoes. We're Irish, so I can say that. Drops like a sack of potatoes. And he goes into the house crying, Daddy, that kid hurt me. And my dad, in his Irish brogue, looked out the door for this big kid that hurt his son. He goes, which kid did it, Paul? And he says, that guy right there. And he goes, that little kid? And he goes, yeah. And he took his belt off and whipped my brother and said, <laughs> he said, don't you ever lose to him again. <laughs> so I have relaxed a little bit from my upbringing, mind you. We never told dad, black guy, you should have seen the other guy, dad, if we lost, you know. I said, Stephen, so here's what you're going to do. This kid puts his hands on you again. You've warned him. You're going to hit him. You're going to send a message. So that kid, sure enough, he walked up behind him, put his hands on him when he's opening his locker. He's laughing and mocking him. And my son, I didn't even tell him to do this. He grabbed him and threw him into the lockers. Bam! And then went, and a kid who knew him was a senior standing right next to him, grabbed my son's arm and said, no, Stephen, I don't want you to get in trouble. But you know what's so funny? That kid that thought life was just so fun to harass my son, his complexion and body language changed. He went ashen white because he thought my son would never do that. And he was at the same school as my son for four years, and he never said another word to him. Take that. All right, so. <laughs> hey, you may do it differently, and here's what I want you to get, and we are going to close here. Um, you know, the way Lori and I did things might look completely different than you, and that's totally cool because there's no cookie-cutter people in this room. Your family has its own culture. You do it your way. But hopefully you can catch hold of some principles that this is a process. And so the ultimate one is friendship. When they get to be 18 and beyond, they become your friends. Parents, how many of you don't want your kids going, oh, gosh, we got to go to mom's house or dad's house today? I don't want that. How many of you want your kids to come hang out with you and have a good time with you? I love being with my parents. And we took vacation this summer with my adult sons, and we had a blast. It was one of the best vacations we've ever had. We had such a blast together. And that's the ultimate goal. But let me just encourage you by saying, don't try to be their friends too fast. If you are one of those parents who are afraid of your kids, be afraid that they're not going to like you, just remember, they may not like everything you do now, but they will later. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be the cool mom in Mean Girls. Don't be the, the dad that I remember knowing that's like, oh, you guys can get drunk here in my house because like, I'd rather have you get drunk in front of me instead of out there. And I'm like, Come on, man. Have some backbone. You're going to rubber stamp that? That's, that's not smart. So, you know, have some backbone. And if you do those things, um, you will definitely find that one day your kids 
their own free will, will end up loving the God that you love. And it truly will be the grace of God because you'll know I, I'm, nobody's more aware of their faults than I am. Nobody. But today I can say the God of Graham and Lori is also the God of Stephen and Daniel and Ryan. And he will also be the God of their grandchildren and my great-grandchildren because I'm already praying for those generations. He will be. And that's what I want to see happen for you. And why is this, what is this lesson all about? And I really thought about why am I teaching what I'm teaching today? Because I want to see you as parents come across that line with joy and not, not sorrow. And then also because in Malachi 2.15, God clearly states that his desire from a marriage is that we would have children that love and serve him. So we are aligned. We have the same goal. And that is to see our kids find our faith step by step, day by day. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just thank you for every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle, every great-grandparent, every parent in this place. Lord, today, I just pray that you will encourage them, that you strengthen them, Lord, that you fill them with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Lord, that you pour out grace upon them to do the job that only they can do, to do the job that they were specifically called to do because before the foundation of the world, you saw them as the parents of that child. You never make mistakes. And Father, I pray that you, Lord, will help them and pour out grace on them to raise up kids that love you, that that serve you all the days of their life. Lord, we also pray for the prodigals this morning that are out there that have gone off the ranch. It says when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Lord, we know the prodigal had a point where he realized, I've abandoned everything I've ever been taught or ever known, and I thought it was better, but now I realize that I've tasted it, that it does not taste good anymore. Lord, I pray for the prodigals in this house today that are represented. Lord, let them now come to the end of themselves and let them taste and see that you are good, Lord. Let them experience it. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I, just in reflecting on my own life, I realize that I don't have an authentic, real connection with God. I believe in Him, but I've never really done anything with that. And today, if you're here, I want to let you know that today you can take a step and that step is very simple. It's a step of faith where you say, Jesus, today I am making a decision to follow you. Jesus, today I'm making a decision to call on you as Lord so that I can be forgiven of my sins, that I can be accepted into your kingdom, into your family, and receive the gift of eternal life. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, you might have grown up in a church just like I did. I grew up in a church my whole life and never prayed this prayer. I believed in God, but I never did anything with what I believed. And then one day when I was 19 years old, I took this step of faith that I'm asking you to take, and it changed my life. Not overnight, but it changed it day by day. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you say, Pastor, count me in, then pray this prayer with me. Church, would you help me just say this? Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I ask you to save me thank you that because of your death my sins have been forgiven and I now have a way to the Father I give you all my guilt and shame and I accept you as my Savior please come into my life now and help me to live 
the rest of my life with you and for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.